We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, hey, hey. But if y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell gonna freeze. Uh, wait. <laughs> Tonight at the main event, what do we have? Who do we have? You know what it is. It's Taco Tuesday. Welcome to the Points in the Paint podcast presented by Stadium. Ben Wittenstein. Zach Badger House. And Zach, we made it four months. No basketball, no sports, no NBA, nothing. Finally, this week, we get regular season NBA games. I cannot be more excited for this. The NBA is back this week, and I am extremely excited for the NBA bubble, NBA bubble, Disney World, Orlando. It's all going to happen this week, everyone. It's been amazing. We've been seeing some uh, exhibition games, some scrimmages. Teams have finally been playing each other, so we've been able to get some action going. But this week, on the 30th, we're getting real-life, real NBA basketball accounts. We definitely deserve this. We've waited four months, Zach. It's been four yeah. lonely, barren months. Yeah, Points in the Paint podcast, we've done – the best that we can to come up with good content for you all during the midst of this pandemic. And we finally have NBA basketball returning this week, eight games before the uh, NBA playoffs will return. Yeah. And again, we want to thank everyone who has stuck with the podcast through the uh, no NBA times, the bad times, the four months with no basketball. So we appreciate everyone listening through those four months. We finally have real basketball to talk about. You can follow us on Twitter at points paint. Um, give us, give us a like, give us a subscription. Uh, give us a comment on, on Apple podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you may get your podcast, leave a comment. Let us know what you think of the podcast. We'd, uh, we'd love to hear some feedback because now we're going to be probably going back to weekly podcasts, talking NBA basketball, which is very exciting. Um, but you know what, Zach? Let's just start the episode off as we always do with uh, the first of the big three. The big three. And we finally have some real basketball to talk about. Some NBA scrimmages taking place. Uh, there's a lot to dive in for that, so we're not going to go super deep. But let's take a look at some of the trends that we've been noticing. And number one on the trend that both of us noticed, boy, Zach, the Lakers—they look ready to play. Oh yeah, they definitely look ready to play. And as this podcast is currently. Uh, being recorded they are currently playing right now against the uh, washington wizards who another team we're going to talk about as well and yeah the lakers they look good right now they're actually playing without kyle kuzma uh, lebron and ad and all those guys who would usually have productive minutes for the lakers and they still look pretty good you know they're playing against a team 
in the Washington Wizards, who, you know, they're fighting for a playoff spot. But the Lakers, Alex Caruso, J.R. Smith, Deion Waiters, this, they're pretty deep. I will say this. They're going to be pretty deep come the regular season. And uh, I'm looking forward to see what they're going to be able to do from a bench perspective. Because remember, they're, gonna, they're not going to have Rondo or anything like that. So they're going to be able to uh, accumulate those minutes uh, properly. It'll be interesting to see how they develop their bench without Rondo because, you know, we it's fun to trash Rondo. It's fun to make fun of him. He, he's a goofy guy and, and someone who's certainly up there in the veteran years, but he, he can bring a calming presence to a bench for a team in the playoffs. That's why that whole, you know, hashtag playoff Rondo exists. So we'll see how that how that bench makes out with it. But LeBron looks ready. LeBron and AD look like they are ready to get to a championship. Yeah, they played uh what a half against the Dallas Mavericks in the first scrimmage, and they looked relatively good, although the Lakers lost. And then the following game, they played a pretty decent amount of minutes and ended up taking care of business in that game, winning. And so, yeah, LeBron, he looked pretty good. Shot relatively poorly, but to each his own, you know, I think he'll be able to obviously shake the rust off uh, from that perspective. Defensively, they look good, too, as well, especially um, Anthony Davis. I like Dwight Howard coming off the bench with uh, J.R. Smith in the pick and roll. I know you probably saw that highlight, too. Yeah. As well, so yeah, they're they're going to be a pretty exciting team. I'm looking forward to it come uh come this weekend. We posted that on the uh, stadium Twitter. J.R. Smith lobbing it to Dwight Howard in the year 2020 is an <laughs> incredible sight. If you were to tell me that would happen in 2010, I would not have believed you because I mean it's Dwight Howard in 2010 with J.R. Smith. Even wild, <laughs> it would have been wild. And it looks like the team is ready. It really does. Do you like the gray LeBron beard? I think it's uh, it's an interesting look to say the least. Definitely looking like old, looking like an old man out there. Definitely, look, definitely looking old, but he's pretty seasoned, of course. But uh, you never know. We might get the usual Benjamin Button where, you know, he just never gets old in year 17. He's ready to go. And I know we can trust him to really show up for something like this because it's I mean, he's LeBron James. He can play anywhere on the planet and just be as good as he can be. And I, I think the Lakers, that's why the reason they're a favorite to win the NBA title in the bubble is they just they look ready to go. They were feeling it before the NBA postponed the season. They looked hot. They had the chemistry going. And it really doesn't look like they've missed a step. It looks like they just settled right back into their old ways, back how they were in late February, early March. And they're just kind of back at it like like nothing changed. Exactly. Especially, like I said, the guys that they've included into the roster as of late, as in like Deion Waiters and uh, J.R. Smith, these guys have jumped right into the system and, and produced right away coming off the bench. And so that's something you you like to see from a Lakers team looking yeah. to you know, obviously win the championship. And that's evidence of just a, of a good system. And, and I, I know Frank Vogel, you know, he's not going to get a lot of credit for this team or any coach that LeBron has is really not going to get a ton of credit. But you got to hand it to him for, for making sure like Dion and Jr. And, and some of these guys that are going to be coming in, they just slip right in there and the system continues like it always has been. Yeah. So I think they're definitely going to be obviously one of those favorites and they're going to be pretty good defensively. Like you said, they're going to be hard nosed and getting after the ball. I think Frank Vogel is definitely going to be emphasizing that as the season kind of continues to progress. All right. So we know the Lakers are going to be good. They're going to probably be the favorite to win the title. Another team though, that could contend for that title, the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, they've looked solid. They're another one of those teams that we kind of expect to be shaken off some of the rust. We talked about in episodes past, you know, Giannis didn't have access to a basketball hoop for quite a while at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, now he's back. He's looking stronger than ever. He is. He's jacked Giannis, I think, is the best way to describe him. <laughs> no, yeah, Giannis has looked well, relatively good so far. He's still shaking off some rust. I've seen he's been in a little foul trouble 
uh, as of late in, to, in between the games that he's uh, played for the Bucks in these scrimmages. But, you know, obviously the, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks have been one of those teams with some depth. And so we look forward to seeing uh, how that how that pans out with them and their roster come uh, come regular season time in the East, because there are some teams in the East that have you know made some smaller adjustments. And that may make a, a huge difference come uh, regular season and playoff time in the NBA bubble. Yeah. And, and the Bucks are always again, they're kind of they're kind of like the Lakers in that they just have a system with Budenholzer where they just drop in and they go. They they can play anywhere with the system that they have. It really doesn't take a lot. And they're a very good team with their chemistry going. Their passing is magnificent. Their defense is always going to be good. So they're just one of those teams that I think is going to be kind of like the Lakers where they just rely on what they know in the bubble. And what they know is winning basketball and, and how to just grind down teams throughout the game. And I don't really expect anything different from this Bucks team. They haven't lost anyone big they still have all their players the chemistry is going to be there and and the way that they play basketball is just going to continue on from what they were doing dominating in february and march yeah they've played like everyone else in between the nba bubbles so far every team has played two scrimmages and so yeah the milwaukee bucks they've been able to win both games each against the uh well one against the spurs and then the other against the uh, Sacramento Kings, and so yeah, they play relatively well. They play again. To, they play again tonight of, of this uh, recording of the podcast as well, and so they look pretty good. Eric Bledsoe, I like what he's done as, as well as Chris Middleton. So we'll see if they if they play tonight. You know, a lot of teams so far haven't really been able to uh, put their starters in in this last uh, bit of scrimmage games. Yeah, get them get them some uh, get them some running up and down the court, <laughs> get their lungs back in game shape, and hopefully. Listen, I'm a, I'm a Bucks fan. I, I want to see him succeed. I think it's fun to see a small market team succeed, and I like Giannis. But Eric Bledsoe needs to shake off playoff Bledsoe problems because <laughs> we have seen him in the past be absolutely garbage in the playoffs. His shooting is just off, and if he can't really shoot, he, he's he's not as valuable as a player. He just that's really all he brings to the team at this point is is his ability to score the basketball. He's really that second sometimes maybe third option if Middleton is is not is playing well on the offensive side. So if if we saw playoff Bledsoe from last season, they, they may be in trouble. Yeah, they may be in trouble, definitely, if uh, Bledsoe doesn't step it up and uh, play better in the playoffs. Because, yeah, like you said, of course, probably last two seasons in the playoffs for the Milwaukee Bucks, Eric Bledsoe has not been uh, the player to uh, actually perform. And I even throw some of that on Chris Middleton too, as well. I think he has to be a player come playoff time that at least gets 22 to 24 points a night. I can't have come playoff time with a, a guy like Giannis who's going to go out there and fight and compete. And then my second option being Chris Middleton, who's supposed to be an all-star, give me only 17, 15 points and shooting poorly from the field. Got to be able to step up and uh, provide a lot more offensively and defensively if they want to be a serious contender for the uh, championship. They have to get off the crutch of just relying on Giannis to do the dirty work. And I don't I don't think he was particularly ready to be the number one only relied upon dude in the playoffs last year. I think that's changed a little bit this year. We've seen the work that he's put in. We've seen what he looks like now. He is more muscular and he has more abilities than he did last year just simply by growing as a player. Um, So I think he has more talent and ability to be that guy that they rely on this season in the playoffs. But they're not going to win a title if they do the same thing they did last year. They just like you said, they need Middleton, absolutely need Middleton to be that second scoring option. They need Bledsoe to play well, and they need the guys down low, the Lopez brothers, to to bring some defense and maybe some outside shooting as well to stretch the floor. Exactly. But see, to take it to another team, as we can go back out west, a team that looks really different from the last time 
that we uh, saw them before the pandemic. And that's the Denver Nuggets. That team looks very interesting, Ben. Yeah, they're a fun different, too. They got our boy <laughs> Bol Bol on there. The yeah, man, Bol the myth, the legend. Bol Bol, he's back. And not only is he back, he's thriving. The dude is, is he the next LeBron James, Zach? Oh, I, would, I don't know. I wouldn't go that far. But See, Okay, you know, he's better than LeBron. That's fair. <laughs> okay, that's extreme, too. But... <laughs> No, Bobo has played well in his first two um, scrimmages as well. He had, what, 16, 10. And what I was most impressed by were the six blocks. You know, he's seven foot two. Obviously, we see him bringing a ball up the court. That's that's pretty phenomenal. You know, the ability to pass. He had some nice dimes into, into the game in his first game, too, as well. But the six blocks for me, being out there with a guy like Jokic and even Plumlee sometimes, that's going to be a that's going to be a huge Line that. What do we call it? The Nuggets tall ball. It's gonna yeah, be tall ball because the Rockets. Yeah, Rockets play small ball. Nuggets maybe trying to play a little bit of tall ball. Give Daryl Morey an aneurysm, a heart attack. Looking at how tall those guys are on the court. Yeah, like that lineup is so huge. What I think they had Jokic at the point guard position, which was crazy to start off the uh, the first game, but the second game he played a little better. He had a triple double almost, I believe. If he, I believe he either had one or was pretty close to having a triple double. That being uh, Nikola Jokic, but yeah, and even Bobo played pretty well his second game, even though they lost. And then they have J- uh, Jakarim Grant out there as well, and then also what I believe what I believe it's Mason Plumley. Mason Plumley's yeah, out there. Had- and then they, what, I mean, it Mills, was just a wild Paul lineup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Paul Millsap. Listen, it's it's going to be insane to see if they actually do that for an extended period of time in a real game that counts. Because I don't know. I, like, I am I am all on board with Jokic being a point guard and for him to be the <laughs> point guard on this team because I think he he plays like it. He is clearly the best passing center in the NBA. So to to make him the point guard. I think would just be an interesting experiment, especially in a time where all the teams are in a bubble. And players are going to be coming in and out, either testing positive or having to leave the bubble in quarantine that it's just going to be craziness. And I'm kind of I'm kind of on board for the Nuggets to be the chaos team of the NBA where they just throw the most insane lineups out there. You have Jokic playing point guard. Hell, throw Bull Bull as the shooting guard and run some crazy pick and roll with Bull Bull and Jokic. Who's going to be able to defend that if Bull Bull can hit the three consistently? Yeah, Bobo's. He's, yeah, he has been shooting the ball. Hasn't shot it too well, but he's been able to show his ability to at least stretch the floor and knock down the shot, especially the catch and shoot three. I think he's made four threes so far in the in these scrimmages. Uh, yeah, I believe yeah, it's four four so far, and you know he's done a good job on the offensive end, spreading the floor. And he always has the ball in his hand, too, so that pick-and-roll actually can definitely happen. And you never know what you might get. You may have Jokic as the ball handler and Bobo setting the pick, or Bobo setting the pick, and Jokic's the one uh, with the ball. So you never know what you're going to get out of this different Nuggets tall ball situation. That's going to be fun. If they're going to be the chaos team of the bubble, I don't know if we really crowned a team that would be the chaos team, but the way the I don't – no one really expected the Nuggets to be that team. And now with the lineups they're throwing out there, I could absolutely see them being the, just the insane lineup team that other teams just don't know how to defend. And, and they just absolutely pound you into the ground. I think that would be really fun. It's not a very Nuggets way to play as they played in the past. But listen, they got to change some things up if they really want to have to compete in that Western Conference. 
you know the team I want them to run into? Just take a wild guess of what what team I would like the Denver Tall Ball Nuggets to run into being. What team would I just love for them to run into in the playoffs? Oh, would that be the uh, the small ball Houston Rockets? The small ball Houston Rockets. I would just love for that tall ball against that small ball to see who has what and who has what it takes. Because, listen, watching the Houston Rockets, man, I just do not like P.J. Tucker playing the center position. It just does not sit well with me, and I just do not think it's going to work come playoff time. Oh, man. It's it's going to be interesting because you know that if it does work, <laughs> people who don't like it like us, we're going to simply say, oh, it, it was different situations. It was a different scenario. It was in the bubble. All of, uh, Most of the teams weren't healthy. It was a different situation. <laughs> there were no fans, yada, yada, yada. That's going to be us. But then if it if it does work, people who like that are going to say, look, it worked. So I don't think anyone's going to win in this situation, but it will be interesting to see. I think if if we do get small ball versus tall ball and if the Nuggets do continue with tall ball, that is going to be a very fun game because it's basically speed against size. And it, it's I don't know if I could say definitively who, who would win or not, honestly. Exactly. Because you have court situations with, with the Denver Nuggets, that's probably going to be in their favor. And if you're out on a break or in transition, running and gunning, it's probably going to be in Houston's favor. Right, right. So, listen, that that would be a lot of fun. And the Rockets are going to continue playing their small ball. The, the other team I wanted to mention uh, was the 76ers. Uh, if we're talking about lineup changes, especially with the Nuggets, Ben Simmons now moving to the four. Uh, Brett Brown moved him to the four position alongside Joel Embiid that freed up the point card position. You have Shake Melton now starting for the 76ers. Could this work? Do you see this possibly working? Um, I'm surprised that Brett Brown hadn't made this move so much in the past where they just kind of figured it out and said, hey, let's put Ben Simmons at the four position right next to Ben Simmons because that Al Horford-Ben Simmons combo was, or Al Horford-Joel uh, Embiid was not working too well. Yeah, and I, you know what it really you got to give a pat on the back to a guy like Al Horford with him deciding, okay, maybe I can come off the bench with this team and, and really provide a huge lift for the bench, you know, in, for the Philadelphia 76ers. And so if you have that situation with Ben Simmons playing the four alongside Joel Embiid, that's dangerous. And when I saw that, when I saw that news actually break, I said, that's going to be something way different. But on the other hand, okay, Ben Simmons playing the four position, but now he looks like we may see him shoot some threes, Ben. We may see Ben Simmons shooting from beyond the arc. How you feel about that? That would be wild. And it's about damn time for Ben Simmons to get that <laughs> three-point shot. It was it was aggressively making me angry at him that he was not even trying to shoot threes in a game. And I don't know why it made me angry, but just seeing a guy who is a, I mean, he's not really a point guard. He's more of a point forward, which makes sense why he's moving to the four. But I mean, this guy didn't even seem like he wanted to even try to get better at threes or that he was scared at shooting threes. And it didn't make any sense to me. So now that he's actually actively seemingly trying to get better three point shots, working on his shots, seeing a psychologist, a sports psychologist to get better at shooting three point shots. He's putting the effort in and he actually made one. So maybe it's improving. Maybe he's going to be that three point shooter now. 
Yeah, I think it's all in his head. I think it's I think it's always actually been in his head. I don't think it's actually been his inability to knock down shots. I always think I always thought it's been in his head from a mental standpoint. And so it's good that he's seeing someone about this. You know, maybe she can clear his mind and just, you know, black out all the noise or, you know, from the media and everything else and just go out there and play basketball, man. Shoot that shot. You know, you'll you'll miss 100 percent of the shots you won't take. So just go out there, Ben Simmons, and just take those threes and live and die with your with whatever happens with the result. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, the, we've only hit on what four, four and a half teams right now at this point, five teams. There's so many more storylines that we could go over, but this podcast would be two to three hours long. So those are kind <laughs> of the big storylines we wanted to get into. But with that, we could mention some other teams because I wanted to ask you this question, Zach, because I'm kind of debating it myself. But what what teams will work in the bubble? Is it going to be the normal teams that we expect like we talked about the Lakers, the Lakers are probably just going to be the Lakers. They're going to be good no matter what, but are teams, you know, with better chemistry than other teams in the NBA, are they going to be better in the bubble or teams with better systems? You know, like the Miami heat who are very system oriented, you plug and chug, you put the players in and they go through the system and it works. Are those teams going to be better off than teams that maybe freestyle it a little bit more? Are younger teams going to be better because of, you know, there's been a long lag in times that players play. They're getting back in physical condition. It may be easier for the younger players to play. You know, what teams do you think are going to work better in the bubble than others? Or is it just going to be like a normal NBA season where the better teams just win? You know what? Honestly, a lot of people have been kind of putting that out there. Maybe a wild card team or underdog or unexpected team. I still expect the Lakers to be there. With this move with the Philadelphia 76ers with Ben Simmons, I think that kind of makes the, the the matchup, the potential matchup, in, interesting with the Milwaukee Bucks and the Philadelphia 76ers. I think before that, I kind of pretty much had the Milwaukee Bucks kind of, if they ran into the Philadelphia 76ers, they would be able to take care of them, no matter bubble or not. But there are some teams out there where I feel like the chemistry won't either put them in the playoffs or keep them in the playoffs. And I'm going to talk about one of those teams later on in the podcast. But the other team right now with the bad chemistry, or at least is what it looks like, is the Portland Trailblazers. They don't necessarily look completely meshed. Now, you got to remember Nurkic and Zach Collins have both come back into this bubble. You know, they weren't playing before this uh, pandemic situation had occurred. But now they're back with the Portland Trailblazers. And I think they're trying to find some chemistry amongst each other within these last two scrimmages that they've played. And so these eight games come regular season, they're going to really have to uh, figure it out because, like I said, eight games is not very many and they're fighting for a playoff spot out in the West. Right. I, I think that's a good point. And listen, you the problem is you don't have a lot of time to get your chemistry going. Exactly. So I, that that could be an issue for the Trailblazers. And they've always they've been an interesting team in the playoffs anyway, come playoff time. And especially with them fighting for that spot I, that that's going to be tough and they are not really one of those younger teams you know you talk about a team like the grizzlies who are a younger team and a team that probably something like this wouldn't really affect them as much as i think maybe an older team who doesn't have a superstar would so there's definitely some of these aspects that i think give teams a little bit more of a competitive advantage if they rather than if they weren't you know playing a normal nba season yeah, and then like another team I would have to say in terms of chemistry that looks good, but they're going to have to have all their guys, the Dallas Mavericks. 
Yes. When I wa- when I was watching the Dallas Mavericks, they have pretty good chemistry as a whole, and that's and that's coming from the uh, bench too as well. They just got to make sure they have two guys. And I sent you an article earlier because I was unaware that he wasn't playing right now, and he had a, uh, a undisclosed injury, a calf undisclosed calf injury. That being Courtney Lee for the Dallas Mavericks, I was unaware of that until this morning, and so they're gonna probably need him coming off the bench as well. And of course, they're starting power forward. They're their uh, future all-star for the Dallas Mavericks, Kristaps uh, Porzingis. They're going to need both of those guys to really be able to compete in the West come playoff time, in those eight regular season games, too, of course. And let me tell you, Kristaps and Luka, they need. They definitely seem to struggle a little bit chemistry-wise midway through the season last year, So, or I guess it's still this year, but they need to really be on the same page for these playoffs uh, for them to actually have any chance of doing anything because there were certainly some times where they just didn't seem to mesh well together. And we saw that when Luca was out and Porzingis was in the starting lineup and he just dominated every single night. He looked like a freed man. Um, and then when Luca came back, his stats went down and they still seemed to kind of struggle to play with each other's style. So hopefully they've gotten that figured out because if they don't, I doubt there's really a specific roof then on the Mavericks if you can't have your two superstars figuring out how to play well with each other. Yeah, but that is a, that's what that, I will give the uh, Dallas Mavericks this type of credit though. They have some good shooters. They have some guys that have the ability to shoot the basketball. Tim Hardaway Jr., S. Dot, you know Seth Curry, of course, uh, Finney, Finney Smith. He'll go out there. He'll knock down shots. Obviously, Luca will knock down shots. And so I'm just excited to see how far they go with their ability to shoot the three. You know, they've been able to shoot the three in the bubble as, as of late in these two scrimmages. So I want to see what they uh, what they do. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I, I think a lot of these younger teams are going to be a lot of fun in the bubble too. And I'm, I'm expecting the, the Grizzlies to make some noise. As you said, the Mavericks to make some noise. Um, there's going to be some fun teams. And, and we'll be talking about a lot of them next week once we see them play in the regular season. But there is a much more important story happening right now in the NBA, Zach, that I think we need to get to. <laughs> Um, the big three, and that is the second of our big three, and that is dealing with the one and only Lou Williams. Six man like Lou Will. <laughs> Just an incredible story with Lou Williams. Um, Shams, our own Sham Sharania, helped deal with that story. He's been tweeting about it all weekend. Um, and the deal was he went to Magic City, which who, how, how would you who snitching? Somebody snitching. They some, use that somebody hotline. snitched. <laughs> and but you know who snitched? It was apparently uh, Jack Harlow. The rapper posted a picture of Lou Williams at Magic City. Um, he later claimed that it was an old picture, but obviously people could tell and could figure out that it was a current picture that was taken. Yeah, Lou Williams <laughs> Only, had braids like about yeah, with, months ago. Lou Williams did not have braids, so that lets you go that that was a lie right there. <laughs> not, yeah, not not the smartest uh, not the smartest excuse. But Zach, how how would you describe to the people what Magic City is? Man, Magic City, you can get some fire food in Magic City, but it's it is a uh, it's a gentleman's club. It's definitely a uh, gentleman's club, but it's also a place where they have uh, tremendous good food. Uh, the wings are well known. Uh, if if you don't know that, uh, I'd Google that wings. Just Google wings in Magic City, and you know, five star rating, five star rating as far as I'm as far as I've heard. I won't say as far as I know, as far as I've heard. So, <laughs> You know, those uh, wings in Magic City, and that's Lou Will's favorite place to get wings in Atlanta. So, you know, that should let you know uh, Atlanta's a big city. You choose a gentleman's club to get some wings. That ought to let you know how good those wings are. 
<laughs> it's that's certainly one way to look at that. That's uh, that's for sure. Um, I I think the funny part too is that Lou Williams in the picture that was posted by Jack Harlow um, of Lou Will in Magic City, he didn't have a mask, which I think concerned a lot of people. And he's been getting on Twitter at least since we've been recording today, and he's been talking about it and protecting himself about what's been going on. He talked about how he was getting hot wings and he wanted really good wings, and Magic City was the place to get good <laughs> wings, as you said, and. That's where he went to get the wings and, and, you know, maybe check out some of the scenery. So it's a classic Lou Will moment. And it's such an NBA moment. It hurts that something like this would happen, that a guy would have to be going into quarantine because he went to a strip club outside of the bubble. I mean, that is something that anyone should have expected coming from the NBA. Uh, <laughs> but he does he does have to quarantine for 10 days now. He's going to miss two games. And That's now cute. he's been he's been getting in arguments with Kendrick Perkins on Twitter. Um, Kendrick Perkins said on Monday today while we were recording, he said it's disturbing when Zion Williamson can act more mature than Lou Williams. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and, Lou Will definitely fired back. <laughs> oh, Lou Williams fired back. He goes, 15 years in this business, the most dirt you have on my name is stopping to get hot wings during a pandemic, which is such a, a very uh, cleared and uh, colored <laughs> way of, of putting what he did, to be honest. Um, he said, shut up and stop laughing, saying it's just on TV when you run into me. So Perkins and Lou Williams are about to fight, which over Lou Williams getting hot wings hot at a gentleman's club. <laughs> this, is, I, this is just the most NBA story of all time. It really you gotta is. gotta love the NBA because it's always some gossip. It's always a little drama. <laughs> and right before the NBA regular season returns, we get Lou Will at a strip joint getting hot wings during the <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> if you had that on your bingo board, you, you win. Cause that's incredible. I, the thing is, it's like, I don't know. Was, would Lou will be on your, you know, top five, top 10 people to break quarantine to go to a strip club. Oh yeah. If I had, it, yeah. If I had to give if I had a list, if I had a hypothetical list of the players who would break the quarantine, and we all know who number one would be. And do something similar. Come on now. J.R. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> J.R. Smith. <laughs> the thing with J.R. is he would just wander off by accident. I feel like he would just accidentally find himself down in downtown Orlando and so just where he'll need to be. <laughs> yeah, not realizing he wasn't in the bubble anymore. <laughs> and the Dion Waiters, who knows? You know, he, he says he's a change man, but who knows what would happen with Dion Waiters in the bubble situation? He may take off and he may end up back in Miami somewhere. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, and uh, Lou Will would definitely have to be up there, which is, I mean, we all love Lou Will. It's hilarious that this happened to him. He's, what, only going to miss two games, probably not going to make too big of a difference. Um, it may, but I it guess may. we'll have to see when the games happen. It may, only because I look at him being the X factor for the Clippers. Now, a lot of people may automatically think, well, what about Paul George? Paul George isn't the X factor because Paul George, come playoff time, as, as we've seen, Outside of being in Indiana, he hasn't really played too well or performed at a high level to get the team that he's on over the hump. Now, I may be wrong for some, but I look at it as Lou Will being the X factor behind Kawhi Leonard to really get the job done and get the Clippers over the hump from a scoring offensive perspective. He's definitely an important role player for them. And they, this is already a team that struggled to to keep that roster together. You've had Montrez Harrell come in and out. Now you're having Lou Williams come in and out and you've had a couple of other guys uh, not being able to play and, and having to readjust the roster. So the Clippers are, are one of those teams that 
there's just so much uncertainty and they're kind of that picture team of, of how uncertain playing in the bubble is because you're going to have people who are going to have to quarantine or who are going to have to leave for a family matter. And they're going to have to come back and quarantine and miss some games. And they are the picture perfect team for that happening um, right now in the NBA. Yeah. Especially losing a guy that's easily gets you 20 to 25 points on any given night. So losing him those two games, I mean, if they start out on two, you know, that, you know, you might have to point the finger to, you know, Magic City. Re- yeah. Magic City. <laughs> Magic City's going to be those wings. Uh, be those, those wings in Magic City are going to be responsible for two NBA losses. That That's the only way we can chalk it up for that. Um, the third of our big three, there was a new coaching hire, Zach. The big three. Oh, man. <laughs> you the sound team, so disappointed. The team we make fun of probably the most on this podcast because of the owner and his inability to make decisions like sell the team. And just, you know, just be better with the New York Knicks, with James Dolan. But, yeah, the New York Knicks, they got a new coach. Not really too excited about the coach that they received or decided decided to hire, rather. But, uh, yeah, Tom Thibodeau. It's kind of rough. It's a rough patch for me uh, <laughs> with the Knicks hiring Tom Thibodeau, the former Chicago Bulls coach, former Minnesota Timberwolves coach as well. And I've just seen him. Run some guys to the ground, Ben. <laughs> he, that is what he's known for. As, as coming from a Chicago Bulls fan, that is his specialty. Just name off the players that he's just, just name off the players he's had in their injury list, right? You know, Zach Levine, Joe Kim Noah, Luo Dang. Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose. The, the Derrick Rose, like. No one with four minutes left in the game. Just take them out the game. (laughs) Yeah. And listen, I I know I've seen some interviews with Thibodeau um, that people have interviewed him in the past couple months because his name has popped up in coaching searches. So people want to talk to him and, and see what he's learned because he has been out of basketball for over a year. And it seems like, at least to me, looking at his quotes and how he said them, he seems to have learned at least a little bit that it's probably important to, to rest some of the guys. I don't know if he's fully on board with the whole load management idea, but I think he, he seems to get that he can't play a lot of his, at least his star players, as many minutes as he had in the past. I really hope he's realized that because other than that, he is a really great coach. He's defensive minded. He knows how to, how to get a team into winning condition. But if he's just going to run his star players into the ground with, with overplaying them in minutes, how he has a ceiling to how good of a coach he can really be. Yeah, and this is one thing that Tom Thibodeau has to know in today's basketball because his last few tenures, he's been on the low in terms of three-point percentage or three-point attempts. And they have to be able, the New York Knicks will have to be able to shoot threes in this NBA. And he has to be able to coach that in this NBA in order for the New York Knicks to be successful. I mean, the Knicks rank 29th currently in terms of three-point attempts. And so... They're going to have to, obviously, next season, they have to make that a main focus and a main vital point on their team in order for them to be successful next year, obviously with some roster adjustments, too, as well. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing with Thibodeau is, you know, he's not known for being an amazing developmental coach for a lot of young guys. And I say that as someone who watched Derrick Rose win the MVP when Thibodeau was his coach. So you can't say that he doesn't develop players all the time, but he is a coach that's seemingly more oriented towards veteran players because a lot of these players really know 
the grind of the NBA and what it takes to, to win a title or at least get into the playoffs and get through the playoffs. And the way Thibodeau coaches is an aggressive practice. He's an aggressive coach. He really rides you hard in terms of minutes and demand. And having a young team like the Knicks do without really a bona fide superstar even, I, I don't know how much that's going to resonate early on with them. Yeah, and the Knicks, like you said, they have a young roster. Mitchell Robinson, R.J. Barrett. Oh, I feel bad for R.J. Barrett and those knees. I know you've seen those memes out there when this Knicks, when the Knicks decided to hire Tom Thibodeau. The first, oh, yeah. the first meme I saw was the knees for R.J. Barrett, and now people were going to just start feeling bad for him because those minutes were going to be maximized with a coach like Tom Thibodeau. Oh, yeah, RIP to those knees. And the only guy, I mean, on that roster that I think that Thibodeau will obviously connect with and I think he he should use to help out would be Taj Gibson um, because Taj obviously played under Thibodeau. I think he really liked Tom Thibodeau in Chicago. So maybe Taj could kind of be that voice uh, as a player that Tom Thibodeau needs to, to get these guys into shape. But th- the Knicks are such a weird team. They're just kind of like this mold of clay that's just in this weird shape that no one's figured out how to really mold into something that looks good but they still kind of have the pieces to be a good team. They just don't have all of the pieces. So I, I don't, he, there's going to be some major rebuilding that needs to happen. Some more pieces that need to move. And I just don't know how good of a coach Thibodeau can be for a team that doesn't even have an identity or, or very good players yet. Exactly. And so that, so the team to look out for in New York, obviously will remain the Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, when they return next year, it's going to be lights out, and it's going to be the Brooklyn show. It's Brooklyn in the house. That's all you're going to hear. It's always going to be about Biggie, Biggie Smalls and the Brooklyn Nets in New York. <laughs> it's going to be one of the first times Brooklyn and, and the Nets are going to be overshadowing the Knicks. I guess it's been happening the past five, six, seven years, but there really hasn't been this many eyes on the Nets uh, in a while. Now that they've got – well, next year when they've got Kyrie and, and Duran, they've got – two of the NBA's uh, bigger superstars on the team. So they're really going to overshadow the Knicks probably. Exactly. So Ben, what is NBA talking about on Twitter this week? What it do, baby? Yeah. Ooh, there's a lot, Zach. We got that Ben Simmons three-point shot, which we talked about. And every time Simmons makes a three-point shot, NBA Twitter goes nuts, which is a lot of fun. Definitely explodes. And so it was, you know, it was cool to see him make a three-point shot. It looked and it's interesting because he looked a little bit more comfortable doing it than he has in the past. So hopefully that's kind of changed the way that he looks at the three pointer. Maybe it's becoming a little bit more natural for him to shoot, but he knows he has NBA Twitter behind him because they go absolutely freaking nuts. Oh yeah. The more, three point shot. the more he shoots, the better we are. And, and the more he makes, the more comfortable it looks and then we'll get used to it and we won't go so crazy anymore. So you just keep knocking them down consistently and we'll be all right. And that means that you'll be creeping up in that, that list for, you know, top guys in the NBA because if Ben Simmons can shoot the ball that what 32, 33% from the, from three point line in this league at his size, he'll be fine. Absolutely fine. Moving forward. They're also so with obviously the games taking place with no fans and cameras and microphones being closer to the court, you're hearing a lot more talking on the court and NBA Twitter is loving that. Some bad words every now and then, too. But it's kind of funny, though, Ben, because like I was thinking about it as we were uh, as we were putting all this together. And I'm like, they could probably change the uh, the TV rating for the NBA games to like PG, like 14 or something. <laughs> Just off the strength that you know, they're, they're like kids are probably going to be watching it. Like every now and then they may hear some swearing come out of like Carmelo Anthony's mouth when he gets a rebound. Or you may hear LeBron say, get that out of here. But he may not say that. He may add a word. 
you know, so you just never know what you're going to get from the NBA players, you know, in the heat of the moment with no, you know, no crowd, no audience for them, you know, nobody in attendance in this NBA bubble situation. So it's going to be hilarious. You're going to need a parent with you when you watch the NBA now, if you're under the age of 13, because (laughs) the trash talk is very real. And especially when the games start, you're going to be hearing serious trash talking into the playoffs where everything is on the line. There are going to be, Swears flying left and right. There's going to be some insanely mean things said. You just have to, you, you, the NBA is probably pretty happy that this isn't the nineties because the things that were probably said in the nineties just makes the things that they say now just look like absolutely nothing. Look like something <laughs> a 10 year old would say. Cause the thing, the, the trash talk they had in the nineties, especially after watching that Jordan documentary and hearing what he said to different players and, and what, you know, Patrick Ewing and, and all those guys said back to him, just, oh, my goodness, if they had microphones on the court without any fans, you, it would be an X-rated game. You, you couldn't no, watch def- it if you were under 18. <laughs> no, I'd definitely be uh, TV-rated mature for mature audiences only. <laughs> it would definitely be mature audiences only in the 90s. It'll be fun. I'm, I'm excited to, to see how they deal with that, with, with the TV stations and how they deal with these players swearing because they may do it on a five second delay and we've seen it we see it on like abc a lot where you know a player goes for the rebound and swears and and they blacked out the audio out for about two or three seconds so they may do that this time but you're going to be able to hear so much more that it would just the broadcast would just have to be silent for two hours because it would just be <laughs> all guys swearing yeah the nba players you know they got a potty mouth here and there definitely you know they, <laughs> they talk a little trash too you know i know the league's a little soft softer than what it used to be but it, they definitely got some uh some some mouths on them <laughs> to, yeah trash to talk is still out there uh good news uh for zion fans he has been uh, officially going to be practicing on wednesday on the uh, 29th and depending on how he's feeling he may be able to play in the opener on the 30th apparently is what the reports have been indicating today as of this recording it seems like his uh pandemic situation and his quarantine was a little short doesn't it feel a little short since his return to the bubble i could have sworn they needed like 10 days for him it seems like it's only been like six days in quarantine before he comes back and play and i don't know how i feel about that (laughs) maybe sniffing a little conspiracy theory of of zion getting to skirt the uh the rules and regulations so he can play on opening day so he can play on opening day so I think what I was I was reading about him is that he was even though he was out of the bubble, he was still taking um, covid tests every day. Now, they weren't the NBA covid test, but they were they were tests to determine if he had covid. So he was still testing every day. So I think that helped the league say, you know, you don't have to do the full 10 day quarantine. You can do two or three. And if if you're still negative after those two or three days, you're fine to go ahead and, and practice. So I think that is what actually did happen. Now, maybe there is conspiracy. And, you know, I love nba conspiracy so <laughs> it's certainly possible the nba said all right well we'll do this hush hush you'll come in quarantine for a couple of days but you are absolutely going to be playing on opening day i that's definitely not out of the question yeah and see zion playing on opening day you know that's going to be huge for the nba of course him returning lots of highlights well soon to be highlights from zion williamson playing with the new new Orleans pelicans and so of course everyone is going to be super excited to see Zion if he's able to play when the opener returns. Let's see some other things NBA Twitter's talking about. This uh, actually came out today on Monday. Kyrie, it was announced he's donating uh, $1.5 million to help WNBA players uh, who have opted out of the season who aren't going to be playing in uh, the WNBA bubble. So Kyrie doing a nice thing. 
yeah, that's awesome. You know, I, when I saw that, I gave him definitely a round of applause because, you know, we don't really do that too often on this podcast with Kyrie Irving because you never know what he might say or what he might do. But as of late, he's done a tremendous job with just his ability to just be on the front line for just everything, whether it's uh, whether it's, you know, Black Lives Matter, police reform, you name it, uh, the bubble situation and him speaking out on that and improvements in that area and improvements for the WNBA and their league, for their league to be better. And, and who knows, you may see someone piggyback off of this donation from Kyrie and you may see other uh, basketball players step up and do the same thing as well. And I think you may end up seeing at least three to four more other uh, NBA superstars donate uh, to the WNBA players who aren't playing this year as well. Yeah, and there were some fun WNBA games uh, this weekend. Chicago Absolutely. Sky, game winner from Allie Quigley. So it's been they've been starting their season, and it's been fun to watch. And I'm you know it's just more basketball to watch and more basketball to be played. It's it's good to find all back. Essentially, is you know the gist of that. And then a WNBA uh, too as well though. You know their hoodies have reached number one uh, sale in terms of sales on fanatics uh, fanatics.com number one in sales in WNBA hoodie so that's astounding to see from the WNBA, WNBA opening weekend too as well so shout out to them it's a cool hoodie did you grab one yet not yet it's orange orange and white I ain't, I don't really have any orange shoes being so you know mm. or at least something or at least a shoe with some orange in it I could probably maybe wear it with some gray shoes or something or maybe I think I may have at least one shoe with a little stripe of orange in it just to bring the just to bring the shoe out or something you know I gotta stay fly oh I you know I respect it I, listen go buy some new orange shoes then you get <laughs> and then you got you then you're good to go uh let's move on overreaction or no or no Man, should right. the Nets and the Wizards pack it up? The Nets and the Wizards pack it up. That's a good question because I would say, man, that's tough. I think so. All right. I'm going to have a different answer for each team. I, I think it's an overreaction to say the Wizards should pack it up, okay. but I don't think it's an overreaction to say the Nets should. And only I say that because the Wizards, because A, Rui Hachimura, I think it's important that he gets important playing time or at least he's in some games that are important because this is his rookie season and it is important for him to get as many games as possible in it that he can to improve and the Wizards still have this is a you know this is going to be a lot of their secondary players and and if some of them do stay you know if Bertans they do re-sign him and they get him back if Hachimura is going to be back as well you want some of these guys to get as much playing time as they can in meaningful games because you're going to get John Wall you're going to get Bradley Beal uh, you're going to get these big guys back and your team is going to actually have a chance to be decently solid next season. If everyone is healthy, um, Thomas Bryan is turning into a pretty good role player as well. So I think it's important that some of these smaller role players for the wizards do get, do get their time and, and do get to, to be able to play. I feel the complete opposite with the nets. The nets are just an absolute mess of a team right now. Just different parts. It's kind of like a, a Frankenstein monster. It's just kind of different parts thrown together that are have no meaningful application to the team at all. They're going to have a completely different team next year. All Everyone's going to be healthy. They're going to have two superstars that don't really need any of these other role players. So I think for them, it doesn't really matter. For the Wizards, though, they, they could use some of the play. See, that's the difference between you and I on this. And see, you're not wrong because the, the Nets, absolutely, right? They shouldn't be. But the only difference is with the Nets, you know, they really shouldn't probably be at the bubble. But they're just such of a high seed right now in the NBA playoffs. So it's like it's so tough, you know, right? They're seven seed, you know, that's not too that's not really too far off, you know, in terms of like 
getting out of the playoffs or necessarily being in the playoffs because they're right there underneath the Orlando Magic and the Orlando Magic can, you know, actually bounce above them and become the seventh spot. And with that, you know, you get a you end up with a next team playing the, the Bucks as opposed to the Raptors in the playoff situation. So or they may actually get put out completely if the Wizards come to play. But see, the Wizards, they're so bad and don't have enough star power because of no Bradley Bill and they haven't had John Wall a year. It's just really tough for me to say, OK, the Wizards, they really should be in the bubble. I mean, they don't have enough star power to really compete. But like you said, on the flip side, experience is very necessary for those young guys, especially guys like Rui Hashimura and even Ish Smith, you know, different players on that team, Mo Wagner, different players on that team get that experience for next season. But on the flip side with the Brooklyn Nets, them being a team that's in a more secured spot in the playoffs, but they're missing Kyrie and Kevin Durant makes it a little more tough on that decision to really determine whether or not they really should be in the bubble because they have a more secure spot in the playoffs versus the Wizards being outside knocking on the door. Yeah, the Wiz- I guess that's a good point is that the Wizards, they don't really have anything to play for right now when the Nets do and the Nets probably will. <laughs> so to see that team having to compete in the playoffs are, cer- are certainly going to be interesting. And you know they're not going to be packing it in because they have a shot to do something in the playoffs. And and they're, they're going to be trying to do as much as any normal other team is going to be able to do. They're just going to have an NBA <laughs> B team. It's going to be pretty much a junior <laughs> team that's going to be out there. Yeah, just a bunch of young guys, a bunch of guys with not a lot of uh, name or notoriety, to say the least, with the uh, Washington Wizards, really, and the Brooklyn Nets, too, as well. But moving forward, you had a pretty good one here. Should the NBA have a bubble MVP? Yeah, isn't an overreaction to a bubble MVP? We know there's going to be a normal regular season MVP, and it's probably going to be Giannis, or if not Giannis, it'll be LeBron. But... Should there be a uh, a subcategory of MVP for, for the bubble, the player who plays the best in the NBA bubble? I think if there's going to be a bubble MVP, so, I'm, so this is how I would look at that situation, right? If there is a bubble MVP, that means that there's they're the person responsible for strictly the whole bubble situation, right? So from point from the point the regular season starts this week up until the NBA finals being over, a bubble MVP who's played, you know, well in those eight games in the playoffs. In that scenario, in that situation, yes, there probably could be a MVP for the uh, for the NBA bubble. I think it would be fun to do it, at least, you know, non-officially for the NBA to to have some bubble MVP voting. Because, you know, it may be LeBron. If, if LeBron takes his team to the title and wins the title, you may give the bubble MVP to LeBron and the regular season MVP to Giannis. Like, that would be a lot of fun. At least give LeBron something for winning a title and being on the best team in the NBA and having just an incredible season in his 17th year. Or it could be someone super fun that we don't expect. You know, a role player who just plays his mind mind. out. (laughs) It would be super fun to have, you know, a role player win the bubble MVP. Yeah, you never know what you might get, right? Uh, you might get Jokic winning the the, the bubble MVP with the tall ball Denver Nuggets. Or you may get a... May get a James Harden, even. I'll even Ooh, say him. You're right. God yeah, forbid. <laughs> May get a, a James Harden getting a bubble MVP. So you never know. Ben Simmons. You may get a Ben Simmons getting a bubble MVP. So, you know, or Jimmy Butler. You may, you know, we haven't talked about the Miami Heat, but you may even get a Jimmy Butler that may secure the uh, bubble MVP, depending on how the uh, Miami Heat play when the NBA season returns. So you never know. You never know. I, listen, Ben Simmons, if he hits multiple three pointers, 
you got to give him bubble MVP. You have to. That's <laughs> he was the most valuable player if he gets three pointers. Which brings us to actually our next segment, which is bold bubble prediction or BBP. One bubble, one bold bubble prediction. Yeah, um, say that my, five times. <laughs> yeah, say that. Yeah. My bold bubble prediction is that Ben Simmons is going to make more than five three pointers in his time in the bubble. I will agree with that. I agree with that. And you know what? I'll even say this. He'll make two before before the end of the weekend. He'll make two before the end of the weekend. I'll even say that. Wow. So he'll already be at 40% by the end of the weekend. So I'll even give you that. Now, to take it out west, to take it out west, I'll say the Memphis Grizzlies will secure the eighth seed. And I say that based off these last two scrimmages. Now, watching the Memphis Grizzlies, they lost last night to the Houston Rockets, and uh, James Harden played pretty well, unfortunately. But that's neither here nor there. Now he's a great player, but but uh, they just play hard. The Memphis Grizzlies, they play hard. John Morant, he's gonna go out there and play hard every night. I love when he goes up against Houston Rockets, and he's playing up against one of his favorite players, that being Russell Westbrook. I love I love to see that matchup because John Moran is always willing to bring it. He even had a charge against Russell Westbrook last night, so that was uh, fun to see. I like uh, Jonas Valachunas, good center, solid center, get you a double-double, 18 and 10, pretty solid. The X factor for them, obviously outside of like a guy like Jaron Jackson who's going to play phenomenal, and his ability to shoot the three will say a lot for them come the regular season too, but Dylan Brooks. His ability to shoot the ball will say a lot for them in those eight regular season uh, games moving forward for the Memphis Grizzlies to see if they can keep that uh, eighth seed. And his underrated defense, I would say, too. Yeah, he, yeah, he's definitely a 3 and D guy for the Memphis Grizzlies. And I just like what Jan Jackson has done with his game or his ability to stretch the floor out now. So now you have two options with him with the ability to either pick and roll and pick and pop with a guy like John Moran, who's looking to feed any and everyone who's on the court wearing the same uniform as him. So his ability to drop dimes and uh, get everyone involved is tremendous. And so you love to see that and you look forward to see what they can do. Just got to tighten up defensively. You know, they have defensive lapses every now and then and and throughout the games that I've seen so far. So they just got to take care of the defensive lapses and they'll be fine, I think. All right, so let's make our picks before we end this podcast for opening day. That's the 30th. We got two games, the Jazz and the Pelicans and the Lakers Clippers. That first game, Jazz Pelicans, the Jazz are minus two and a half. They're giving two and a half points to the Pelicans. Who wins that game? I'm going to go with the Jazz. I think the Jazz goes ahead and uh, they get that win. They'll probably secure the spread too as well i'm gonna go with the utah jazz i even give you a score i'll say it'll be roughly 119 to 113 119 113 in favor of utah so you're saying probably do the over in that game so probably do the over just off the strength that uh, I've already seen throughout these scrimmages. You know, the, you know, obviously the first game they played 10 minute quarters and there was pretty some high scoring for 10 minute quarters. But then they've upped it up to 12 minute quarters in the second and these third games of these scrimmages. And you've seen some scoring in this NBA bubble. So, yeah, I'd expect at least an over for the uh, Utah Jazz and the New Orleans Pelicans. Both teams would probably like to get up and down the floor, too, as well. More so the New Orleans Pelicans, at least. Yeah, I'll take, uh, you know what, I'll take the Jazz as well. I think they cover that two and a half, too. So I think we're in agreement with that one. I think it's a little bit more low scoring, but I definitely think the Jazz come up with the win. For the Lakers Clippers, Lakers minus five and a half. 
uh, against the Clippers. I think they cover that easily, especially with all the craziness surrounding the Clippers. They're not going to have Lou Williams. Um, and I do like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, but I, I just think the Lakers are just locked in right now. They're ready to go. They're not struggling with, with missing a ton of different players. And I think they take this win and they cover four and a half. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think the Lakers definitely will cover this uh, four and a half or five and a half point spread. It'll probably get bigger as as it gets closer to the uh, to the game with obviously Lou Williams being out now and he's going to be out for uh, the next two games like we've mentioned before. And so, yeah, without him, that scoring, who's going to actually be able to carry that extra lift? For the Clippers, I'm not too sure. And so with that being an unsure situation, I got to roll with the Lakers and that depth and that roster that they're rolling with, even outside of the starting lineup, that uh, bench mafia looks pretty good over there in L.A. They do. In purple and, and gold, uh, at least. <laughs> they do. Absolutely. So those are our opening day picks. Zach, I'm, I'm ready for basketball. Oh, yeah, me too. I'm definitely excited. Ball is life. NBA is back. I am extremely excited and make sure you look and tune in to all the games that you can this weekend that concludes this edition of the points in the paint podcast zach badgerhouse here of course my good buddy ben wittenstein you can follow us both on twitter make sure you follow shams on twitter as well and of course stadium too and make sure that you listen and subscribe to the points in the paint podcast but of course listen and subscribe to Trash and Treasure with Amina and Felder. They they drop their podcast every Thursday with awesome content across the board as well. And you'll hear from us next week.